0: And so they recruited our entire worship team to go there and help them. Uh, and considering that they helped subsidize us, I couldn't really say no. So uh, I was happy to encourage them to go and be part of that. And then on top of that, there's a, whole, uh, there's a couple of, of our small groups that are out on uh, retreats this weekend. They're out uh, spending some time together. So we're a little more cozy today than normal, but that's great. It's great to be here. And really excited to, to be a, a part of uh, things with you. As you know, we are in our series, Jesus Worth Following. We're, we're following Jesus through the book of Mark. And, and we're going to pick it up here in Mark chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 6. 6B six means halfway through verse 6. Through, and we're going to read uh, on from there. But before I get started, I do want to share with you uh, one of my cheesy jokes. Yes. Yes. So uh, there was a guy <clears throat> who went to the uh, welfare office. And uh, he went in there to get his, his monthly check. And he went up to the counter, and he was talking to the clerk, and the clerk was doing the paperwork. And, and he struck up a conversation with the clerk, and he said, Listen, I want you to know, I know I've been coming here a long time. And I know I'm here every, week, I'm every month getting my check, and it's been a long, long time. But I want to tell you something. I don't want to do this forever. I mean, I, 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 this isn't my plan. In fact, if, if I could just find a job, Any job, I don't care how hard it is, how menial it is, how little it pays. If I could just find a job, believe you me, I would take that job and I would not come back here because it just doesn't feel right. So the clerk's listening to this and impressed with this man and his spirit, even though he had been coming for years. He said to the man, you know, uh, I have some really good news for you. We don't normally do this, but something just came across my desk today. In fact, a job that I think you would be perfect for. We don't normally tell people these things because we really want to find people who are motivated. And I can tell that you're incredibly motivated, that you want to work hard. So let me tell you, here's the deal. Here's here's what the job is. It pays $100,000 a year. Has full benefits. You even get a company car. The only drawback is you got to travel to Hawaii <laughs> two to four weeks out of the year. The guy says, Whoa, I mean, that's amazing. That, that, that's got to be too good to be true. Are you kidding me? And the clerk said, Of course I am, but you started it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our chance to come to you uh, today. Please speak through us through your word. Inspire us to uh, follow your example. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 6, second part of verse 6. It says, uh, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Now, we have our map up here, and as you see, Uh, The star is over the city of Nazareth. That's where Jesus is. We learned that last week. He had left the city of Capernaum where he basically took up residence for the past two years, where he went public with his ministry. And and after leaving Capernaum, after about two years, he traveled back home to his hometown of Nazareth. And last week we learned that he wasn't well-received. And then this was not uncommon. The last time he came home, a year before, he had come home to Nazareth, and people, they tried to throw him off of a cliff. And then the second time he comes home, and they just basically completely rejected him. They were offended by him. They, they just couldn't get their minds around him coming back as this, this uh, important rabbi and teacher with a whole group of disciples in tow. And so he was basically rejected. He was basically uh, not accepted by his own home people, his own his own. Uh, 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 fellow uh, people he lived with, his own Nazar- Nazarenes. They just rejected him. After that, Mark picks up the account, and he says that Jesus went around teaching from village to village and calling the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two, gave them authority. Now, it's interesting, but this verse here when that says that Jesus went around teaching from village to village, it's an interesting thing because it's a little unclear in the text is, is, Mark, is Mark connecting that to the fact that he was rejected? In other words, he went to Nazareth, he felt rejected, so he said, fine, I'm just going to go to the villages. Or was this sort of a standalone verse that meant that this is what Jesus was going to do either way, you know that this was his plan all along, that he was going to go home, but his plan all along was to go around and go from village to village in that area near Nazareth, if you look at our map. Either way, it doesn't really matter, because the point is that Jesus was a man on a mission. No matter what it was that he was doing, no matter where he was, he was always about spreading the message, the message that he was carrying, that, that a new day has come, the kingdom is now here, and that, 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 God, that, that uh, the, the will of God has, has been made plain to people, and that by coming to Jesus and coming to faith in him, you could be uh, made right with God. He was a man on a mission, and this is what he was always about. I want to give you a little insight today about the passage we're going to read. It's not a theological passage. We're not going to read anything that's going to give us any kind of Bible doctrine today. It's a narrative. The passage here is basically a historical account. We're just following Jesus in this part of Mark. And, and, and when we do that, it's not that we're going to find some new profound mystery in the Bible about theology or about belief or something, but we can learn from his life. We can learn from his example. And so I hope you'll open up your heart today and be open-minded to some of the insights that we can pull out. I by no means am saying these are these are proclamations from the Lord. These are just one man studying the Bible and pulling insights out, just like you would do if you went home today and studied it out for yourself. And I would encourage you to do that. Maybe you would find other insights, and that would be great. So by no means am I saying this is this is everything, you know, the will of God is right here. No, this is something we do when we read the Bible and we're seeing a historical account, a narrative type of an account, just a description of what Jesus was doing, and we're just going to glean some interesting things, things that I think are important to us this morning. He says here that he began calling the twelve to him, or he, that he called the twelve to him and he began to send them out. What we realize now in this passage is that by this time in Jesus' ministry, it had been, it's about two years into his, his public ministry, by this time he had all twelve disciples picked. And all 12 of those guys were designated uh, what he called apostles. In fact, that, for, that word there, send, is the word "apostilion," which is the word that we get the word apostle from. And he said that these 12, he, they're the sent ones. They're his ambassadors. They're going with his message and his method, and they're going with his blessing. So they are really, in a real way, representing him to the world around them. And that's what the word apostle means, to be sent. And these guys are special because they were personally, physically sent by Jesus Christ. They were personally, physically trained by Jesus Christ. For the past two years, while he was living in in Capernaum, they spent a a lot of time with them, if not most of their time with him. They were there in in the synagogue in Capernaum, if you remember from our series earlier, when he taught his first public message in the synagogue at Capernaum. They saw the power of his teaching, the authority, and how people in the audience were stunned. They didn't know how to handle Jesus. They didn't know how to react to him because he taught with such incredible authority as if he had written it himself. And then they saw the the demon-possessed man walk in, and Jesus cast the demon out, and then they saw the terror in the eyes of the audience who just couldn't understand what was going on. They saw Jesus teach like that again and again over the past two years. They saw Jesus perform miracles of casting out demons again and again. And then immediately after he left the synagogue at Capernaum, they went straight to Peter's house where Jesus apparently was staying, and Jesus began to heal anybody that came to the front door of their ailments, physically healing them, miraculously healing them. They got to see those three things in action again and again. It was the pattern Of Jesus to go from town to village, from town to village, to teach, to cast out demons, and to heal people. And for two years they witnessed that. And now it was time for Jesus to send them out all by themselves. I don't know what that was like. I try to, I try to get my, you know, into, the, into the story. I try to, as a friend of mine likes to say, smell the text. I try to feel what's happening here. And I don't know what this is like, but I always think, tend to think of it uh, maybe in a little comical way. Like it always comes off funny to me. But I can imagine Jesus there in Nazareth. They show up. And, you know, he's, maybe the disciples are with them and they're thinking, okay, this time they're going to like us, right? I mean, this time, surely they're going to accept us now. I mean, look at Jesus. We're all his guys. He's an official rabbi now. The first time was a fluke. They, they thought maybe he was being uh, prideful and arrogant and showed up saying, I'm God's gift to the people. But it's been a whole year. Note that... Um, Jesus' name has become well-known. His, his deeds have become well-known. Surely they're going to like us this time. They show up, and, of course, they don't like them. They don't like any of them. And so Jesus gets the 12 together, and he starts pairing up. Hey, uh, Peter and uh, James, come over here. Listen, I want you guys to head on out to, I don't know, Cana. I want you to go on over to Cana. Okay, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Well, I want you to go out and start telling people about me. Okay, are uh, you coming? No, I'm not going. Go? Oh, okay. Hey, uh, uh, Simon and, and Judas, come on over here. Uh, okay, I want you guys, I want you guys to head over to Magdala. Uh, okay, why, why are we going there? Well, because you're going to go tell people about me. Well, yeah, sure, I mean, you're coming, right? No, 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 it's time for you to go. Okay. I, I just kind of imagine this moment. It must have been awkward. It must have been funny. Or maybe they were like, yes, finally, we've been trying. You've been doing this all wrong, Jesus. Thank you. Well, now we can finally go do this the right way. I don't know what it was like, but he at this point in time, for whatever reason, it, he had decided it was time to send them out. Maybe some of them were, were, were not ready. Maybe, maybe there were some that were going, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel ready. I mean, after all, when you go back through Mark chapter 1 through 5, yeah, you see them there with Jesus when he's doing these amazing things, but oftentimes you see them flubbing it up. A lot of times you see them, they're afraid. They're faithless. They don't even understand all of his teaching. There was one time he taught a whole parable, and then they had to pull him aside and were like, what did that mean? And then he explained it to them, and they still didn't totally get it. I don't know if they were ready or not. I don't know what they felt. I don't know if they were excited to be sent out or if they were nervous. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, Jesus decided it was time for them to go. Ready or not, get out of the house. I, uh, I have not experienced this as a parent. I have, my oldest is 20. But we are talking to him about moving out. And it's a hard thing for me, too. Maybe some of you have already sent your kids out. They're not ready. But there's a time. Time to go. Maybe you remember when you were sent out. Time to go. But, but, but I remember when I moved out for the first time, I got a, a place, I rented a house for my sister, she's right there, and my brother-in-law. And I was all excited, I'm going to move out, and I sat there, and I, okay, my, me and my roommate, let's, let's have dinner, and I didn't have a can opener. We ate out of cans back then, I didn't have a can opener. And all of a sudden, I was like, Well, oh, I'm not ready for this, i got to go to the store and buy a can opener. <laughs> Fed the dog croutons, we had a dog, had no dog food, dog ate croutons for the first couple of days. I was not <laughs> ready. You know, at some point in every person's life, and especially when it comes to following Jesus, there is a point when we have to take a leap of faith. There is a point when we have to just man up and decide we're going to do this. Or lady up, I don't know what you say, but get up and go out and do it. No net. The guy that was, you know, our best friend isn't coming. Most of you work in in environments where there's no other Christian or other disciple to be there with you, right? There's no net. There's a point where we just take the leap of faith. And for whatever reason, Jesus decided now at this time, it's so funny because it was not a high note. It was a low note. Let's go to Nazareth. We're going to go welcome everybody. Hey, guys, great, great, great. You're obnoxious. Get out of here, Jesus. Okay, hey, guys, I want you to go to these other towns. And go, you know, it's going to be great. But Jesus, we just got rejected here. Yeah, I know, just go. We, on the other hand, if you remember, those of you that have been around, when we sent out Simi Church, we had a big party. We had a big service. We got everybody up on stage. We took pictures. It was exciting. Imagine if we did that after some big negative thing in the church. Church, Everybody's unhappy. Everybody's miserable. Okay, we're going to go to Simi Valley and start a church. Why would we do that? Nobody likes church. Nobody wants to go. (laughs) Jesus, there was no fanfare. It wasn't after a big victory, and then he went, go. It was after a defeat, and he said, okay, go. There's a point where we take a leap of faith, especially when it comes to being a representative of Jesus Christ to the world around us. There's a point where you act on faith. Many years ago, I think it's been 18 now, Mayan Spaccarelli, a member of our church here, very good friend of mine, uh, had been successful in his business, and he decided he wanted to, st- to do something for kids. He had an experience when he was young that really uh, meant a lot to him. And now that he was older and he had the ability, he wanted to do something for others. So he began looking for uh, uh, kids that were in need that he could do something for them, like throw a party or something to make it special for them during the holidays. And so he found... Uh, la county hospital in downtown la the old one before it was rebuilt actually before they moved to a better building and they said sure come on in you can throw your party he called me up and there was some a group of volunteers there was just a handful of us we went down there and they let us down into a basement room that was just kind of musty and dark and dirty and boxes and stuff everywhere and uh we threw together a really great party. We were not ready at all. Mm-hmm. We just made it up as we went, threw it together. All the volunteers, the people that were there, we just threw it, threw it together and at the end of the day, it was, it was what it was, but, but we, we wanted to do something. He wanted to do something great. He had a vision. We all jumped on board. And I got to tell you, it was an incredible, incredible time. Fast forward 18 years, this party is one of the most organized and polished and well done things that we do in a given year. We're no longer in this little dungy basement. The hospital has a whole new property, a new facility. They moved us into this nice new area where they do conferences. We have the Laker girls that come. We have professional marionette. We have lunch catered in by a restaurant. Not only do we have one party, we now have two parties, one downstairs for the outpatient kids and one upstairs for the inpatient kids who are too sick to leave the hospital. But we don't stop there. We also go to every room in the hospital that we're allowed to, and we give gifts to anybody in the hospital. It's a huge difference from how it started to what it is today, but there was a leap of faith. You know, we're doing something right now as a church that's a pretty significant leap of faith. We're, we're going to merge with another church, Shoreline Church, our sister church. That's uh, sort of we sort of overlap in areas. They go a little further north than us, but we kind of overlap. And we've we've come together. The leadership team has met. We met last Sunday, and we made a decision to come together and be united as a church. Now it's not going to start immediately because of contracts with uh, leases and stuff like that. But by December, we're going to have one worship service for these two churches right here in this hotel. We're going to go from whatever we are, you know, I don't know, 100 people on Sunday, we're going to double come December. I know you're looking around going, really? (laughs) Really? I don't know what it's going to be like, and it'll probably be messy at first, but I fully believe that because we're willing to do this on faith, we're doing this for faith, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, I really believe God's going to bless it. We're also doing it for the same reason Jesus sent these guys out, for the mission. We're not just trying to be a cool church. We're trying to be a church that evangelizes, a church that actually reaches people, that actually motivates its members to be sent out, to take leaps of faith, and bring the message of Jesus to everywhere we go, everywhere we go. It's going to be exciting It's not fully done. It's not fully organized. There's no way that we're ready. But it's, you know, we're going to have to go buy a can opener. We may have to feed the dog the kids and Kids Kingdom croutons because we ran out of snacks. I get it. It's going to (laughs) happen. But we're going to take a leap of faith. When was the last time you took a leap of faith that you just were excited about, that energized you, that excited you, that thrilled you? It says here that he sent them out two by two. Now I'm going to, audience participation here, okay? My daughter told me after last Sunday's service, Dad, she's 12. You need to get the audience involved. Okay? (laughs) I'm going to get the audience involved. Anybody want to just, and you can just shout it out from where you are. What was the reason, you think, that he put them out two by two? Joe. Joe. So they, they needed to grow. Another, my, uh, Robert. Strength Strengthen numbers. Yeah, you don't want to be alone? Paired them up. Yeah. Moral support. Moral support. Accountability, partners. Accountability partners. Bonnie. Give them confidence. A witness to what actually happened. Exactly. <laughs> there was a witness. In Jewish custom, a person's testimony could only be verified if there was another person to verify it. So all of you are right. Without a doubt, the obvious, hey, it's moral support. There's encouragement. There's power in numbers. Absolutely. But there's also something that's cultural here that's important. There was a witness. And in Jewish custom, in fact, in Jewish law, the testimony could only be considered valid if it was attested to by more than one person. You had to have two or more witnesses. And so going out two by two gave them credibility in every town And in every village, there was mutual support, but there was also credibility. But then he does something also. He gives them authority. Quick little Bible study here. The word authority, exousia in Greek. We we actually visited this word before early on in our series. Way back when in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus taught in in the synagogue in Capernaum, the very first public message he gave, it says that he taught with authority, exousia. In other words, he acted on his own will. He taught as if he had written it himself. And that was new to people. They couldn't, they didn't get their mind around somebody be so authoritative with God's word. They were used to people going, well, here's what one commentator says, and here's what somebody else's idea is. And it was very bland, but Jesus taught as if he had written it. And he spoke directly with some authority. And you know the reaction? You know what people felt? They felt like he punched them in the face. That's what it was like to sit in a sermon with Jesus Christ. You got punched in the face. And then later, it said when the demon-possessed man came in and Jesus cast him out, they said, what's this? He even even, uh, acts with authority, exousia. He even had authority over, over demonic forces, the spiritual world. And that, the Bible says their reaction to that, when they saw him do that, they got scared. So imagine a service where we punch people in the face and then scare them. That does not fit with the modern church culture of what church should be like on a Sunday morning, does it? No, no, no. We got to have a worship band. We got to have a great building. We got to have good programs. We've got to have great kids' classes. Really? Go to Jesus' services. You got punched in the face, and then you got scared out of your mind. <laughs> and he told the, the disciples, now you go do the same thing. All by yourself, go and I'm going to give you the authority. I'm going to make it okay for you to do that. Whenever we take a leap of faith, and and here's the, the key phrase, of faith. Sometimes we take leaps, but they're not in faith. There's no promises there. But whenever we take a leap of faith, or a leap in faith, Jesus gives us the authority to do it. He's okayed it. He said, go for it. I'm telling you now. It's up for you. Do it. It's all yours. Go ahead. You have my permission. So let me, let me say this really clearly. My friend Mark Mancini, great preacher, would always say boxcar letters when he wanted you to get a point. Here it is. Boxcar letters. Jesus, if you, the next time you're out and you're wondering, should I invite that person to church? Jesus said, it's okay. He really did. He told you, it's, it's okay, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that kind of convicts me. That kind of changes the sharing for me. Oh, well, wait a second. Jesus has said, wait, why am I wondering? Should I do this or not? Jesus he already told me, I, I've given you the authority. Go ahead. You're allowed to. <laughs> Verse 8. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you're in a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. This is where I, this passage is hilarious to me because here it is. Okay, so he got them all together. It wasn't a high note. You know, they had just gotten rejected at Nazareth. And now he's like, okay, big plan, let's go. They're not ready. Or maybe they think they are, but who knows? And they go, "Okay, okay, okay, we're going to do it. Okay, 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 Jesus, we're ready." And Jesus goes, "Okay." And they go, "Tell you now, what's the plan? Okay, go now and trust God. That's the plan." <laughs> what, uh, did you call ahead to the synagogue? I mean, where are we going to speak? Uh huh. Go now with the clothes, if you want to read this sentence, with the clothes on your back. That's, that's in essence what he said to them. Go now and rely on God. Yeah, but uh, where are we going to stay? Wherever you're welcome. Okay. Okay. So go now, I'm going to repeat this back, Jesus, go now and trust in God. Yeah, that's what I said, right, okay, and and stay wherever we're welcome? Well, yeah, because you don't want to stay where you're not welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the conversation happening here. He literally says, take nothing for the journey. You can have a staff, that's for guys like John Old and they can't walk very well, they got to have that staff. But no bread, no bag, no money in your bag. I mean, just go. You can have shoes though, but not an extra shirt. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the plan. That's the plan. Go now and rely on God. I've been hiking uh, before. I'm not a hiker, but I go hiking occasionally. I get forced to go hiking. I've gone, I've hiked to Half Dome. I didn't go all the way up because it's really uncomfortable. The heights, they scare the daylights out of me, but I made it all the way to Half Dome. Nine miles, one way, 18 mile round trip. It's considered a strenuous hike. And uh, it's up in Yosemite. And I, 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 I just still have this vision in my head. We, we get up, it's dark. We're camping. We get dark. I put on my, my hiking pants, and they the, They got the zippers. Because, you know, if it gets hot, you can take them off. If it's cold, you can put them back on, I had boots, I had a shirt and a jacket, layers, backpack, water bottles in the backpack, my backpack has a camel pack inside it with the little thing that comes around so I can suck on water while I'm walking, pocket knife, hat, food, 5am we start walking up the trailhead. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in Yosemite, there are people that live there in the valley. Yosemite's great, by the way, if you've never been. It's gorgeous. But there's people that live there, and the people that live there, they tend to be, they, they, they like work for the campgrounds, but the kind of person that lives there is the REI shopper kind of person. <laughs> you know, these people, they're in great shape, and they're, they're like, they're, they're good looking, you know? They have no problems. <laughs> they're all like nature people. And so I'm hiking, I, I, I actually one time had walking sticks, like, like John, you know, I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> and then these guys that live there, they jog past me in dolphin shorts, a tank top and a water bottle in their hand. And they're jogging to half dome and back. And I, I'm going away for weeks, it looks like by comparison. There was this point where I'm like, this is, this is weird. Like, <laughs> you got to have this. You got dried food, the whole thing, you know. And these guys, they, there they go. They go jogging, you know. And, and then I'm walking up, and, you know, halfway up, the, they pass me back on the way down jogging, <laughs> drink their water, jog back. That's what they do. You know, here's, a, here's something I want you to hear. Sharing our faith is the easiest thing we do as Christians. It's way easier than raising kids. It's way easier than living on a budget. It's, it's way easier than developing your character, or repenting of your sin. It's the easiest thing we do. Go now. Stay where you're welcome. Leave when you're not. Go. We would be, I would be there putting on my backpack and my hat and getting my freeze-dried food and making sure I had money and cell phones and GPS. And I mean, that's what I would do. The easiest thing, the easiest thing we do as Christians is share our faith now, times have changed. really, if you look at what Jesus' instructions are, uh, I, I don't think we should probably do exactly this, okay uh, I, I don't think we should um, you know wear sandals, carry a staff, and not change our clothes. <laughs> I don't know if that'll play in, in 20, 20, what are we 21st century. Simi Valley, I think if you walked around with sandals and a stick and didn't change your clothes, I don't know that that would make the impression you think it might make. (laughs) But the principle, it's the principle. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. So why don't we do it? Why do we need a plan? Why do we need to be organized? Why do we? Why, why does if we're gonna do it, everybody's gotta do it. Why do we have to do that? The basic plan is grab a friend and wear some clothes. That's basically what Jesus said to do. And share your faith. Testify to, about Him to other people, and that's what the friends for to back you up to give his testimony too, you're more believable when there's another person with you when you're by yourself believe me you're a little weird mm-hmm. i have felt a little weird many times i'm not saying don't share your faith by yourself don't invite someone out to church by yourself it's fine to do but sometimes the context and all that can make it kind of awkward but once you got a friend and it's kind of a it's kind of something you're doing hey no big deal as long as you got clothes on <laughs> that's the plan I'm gonna ask you a question audience participation time why is the plan so simple what do you think what's the reason that was the plan go now wear clothes bring a friend okay why that plan you didn't overthink it anybody can do it Rely on God? Anybody over here? Brian? Don't worry, about tomorrow. don't worry about tomorrow? So you don't have an excuse? All are true, I'm sure. Here's the secret, and here's the point. You're the plan. It's not the details. It's you. It was, that's what it was. Jesus sent them out two by two because they were the message. It wasn't that they had a great building. Believe me, I want a great building one day. Buildings did eventually come. Christians did eventually figure out to build buildings and make make church a place that people could come to, and that helped. And they did develop ways to evangelize, and they did figure out the cultural differences, and they did do these things. Those things did come. But true Christians never lose sight of the fact that they're the plan. Jesus took this master plan of evangelism and handed it to 12 guys in pairs of two and said, wear clothes and go now. And they did. Later, we'll see, but when they come back, they are fired up. Later in another sermon, I mean, they come back and they're just blown away at all the amazing things that happened while they were out there. It was like the greatest thing ever. I want a church building. I want to have great worship sayings. I want to have great speakers. We need a better speaker. <laughs> I want all that too. But we're the plan. You and me. He handed it to them, and they handed it to us. Amen. Go now, wear clothes, and bring a friend. Can we remember that? Yeah. Do you think we can get inspired by that even? Do you think that we can even test that out this week? Just try it. Yeah. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Then he says at the end, and this is really important, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. <coughs> I actually saw somebody do this. I was in high school, and somebody came and knocked on my door. They were of a different faith. Jehovah's Witness, I think, and they wanted to talk to me, and I was in high school, and I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. Saturday morning, I said, no, thank you. I closed the door, and I watched him. The, the guy, he walked down my driveway, and he got, he stepped onto the sidewalk, and he went. I actually watched him do it. And I knew the Bible, so I knew what he was doing. And I was like, wow, that was kind of weird. I felt judged. <laughs> actually, that is what we're doing when we do that that is what jesus was saying is look guys if they don't listen to you that's on them what i like about this verse it's not up to us if they respond it's only up to us that we tell them and we in our family of churches we have confused that we have made people feel that it's up to you if they respond and we've kind of confused these things. And i, I got to say, I've done it. It's been, it's been done to me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we did that. In our zeal, whatever you want to call it, our ignorance, our, our pride, we, we, we got these things confused. We thought it was up to us to convert people. It's not. It's only up to us to tell people. What a relief. <laughs> Jesus is not going to hold me accountable to whether somebody listened to me or not. He's only going to hold me accountable to the fact that I told them. I think, though, we still confuse it. Thank you for the great feedback on that, but let me offer a conviction. I think that we sometimes use people not responding to us as a reason not to tell them. Mm. We confuse them again. All I'm asking The call here of Jesus to the disciples and the call that I'm putting out to you and to me is let's start telling people again. Can we do that? Can we just go? I I, I put a phrase, we sow, they grow. That's it. We sow, they grow. Let's get out there and let's start sowing again. Let's enjoy that. Let's celebrate that. Let's come back with amazing stories of the crazy things that happened when we went out and sowed. And no, we're not going to judge each other over whether somebody responded. No. That's on them. They're judged for that, not me and you. We are judged, though, if we don't sow. We sow, they grow. Verse 12. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So Mark now just tells us what happened. Okay, so... This is what was going on, and here was, the, here was the outcome. Here was the response. Here's what he described what happened. They preached repentance. They drove out demons. They healed the sick, all in the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what happened when Jesus did it for two years. That's what happened when he sent the disciples out, and that's what will happen when you and I go. Not in our authority, but in the authority of Jesus. I don't do the healing. He does. I don't do the repentance. He does. I don't perform. I don't drive out the demons. He does. I just bring the message. And he does the rest. He does it all. And if we follow that pattern, get a buddy, wear clothes, and go now. If we just follow the pattern, the authority of Jesus goes with us. And what happens in the wake of the authority of Jesus is that people repent, demons run away, and people are healed. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that something that we should say, well, I want to do that. Why? I mean, why like, they did it. Let's do it. Let's all do this, and let's, let's celebrate the outcome. It's amazing when these things happen. What an incredible ask. This is the ask, but the benefits are eternal. The rewards are better than any other rewards you could get. When you see someone change their life, you see someone, you know, get get, get out of the darkness. You see someone e- even recover in health just because of the weight of the spiritual oppression they're feeling. And they just get they just get more healthy as people. Maybe they don't have, maybe they don't, maybe they still have cancer or not. That's irrelevant. They get healthy right. as people. And we just get to enjoy it. We get to celebrate it. We get to be fired up and excited and praise God for it and tell everybody about it. And we get to come back together and tell stories about the amazing things that God did when we just went out there with a friend, we wore clothes, and we left. We didn't wait. We went right away. Amen. The benefits, the blessings, they're eternal. But here's, here's where we bring it home. Here's the, here's the challenge at the end. We can't be like the guy at the welfare, welfare office just telling stories. We can't lie to ourselves. We got to do it. We really do. We can't go there and say, well, Jesus, man, if, if I had a building, and if I had a worship band, and man, if the people in my church were better looking <laughs> and cooler, Jesus is gonna, or if the speaker was better, yeah, I know. We need a better speaker. Jesus "Uh go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, great, I got the perfect church for you. We can't lie to ourselves. We gotta be willing to do it. It's so simple. It's the easiest thing any of us could do on any given day. So let's be people who go, who take the call, and we go. At this time, we're going to stand. I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer, and you'll be dismissed for fellowship. Father, uh, thank you for the stories in the Bible. Thank you for the truth of them, and even, even just the stories that that just recount what happened. We learn so much from them. There's so much example. There's so much insight. There's so many things that can apply to our life. We don't even need to read the the parables or the teachings. We can just look at what he did and be inspired and excited. And I pray that all of us are. I pray that we get out of here as a family, as a group of believers in you, that we find each other this week, that we pair up, that we just go. We don't make a big deal out of it. We go and we try and we, we, we trust in you. We rely on you. And you do the work. Let's not talk about it. Let's do it. Thank you for this great group of people. Thank you for the amazing leaps of faith that you're going to do through this great group of people. Thank you for the blessings in advance that you're going to shower upon us as we become people who are willing to go to be sent. It's in Jesus' name we pray. amen. Amen. Have a great fellowship.